Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, episode 29. Bitcoins are trading at $495 per Bitcoin. That's 49 cents per millibit, while LTB coin is trading at 0.0006 US dollars per LTB coin. That's 0.06 of a penny. Mm-mm-mm. Now that's gravy. Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, and thanks for joining us today as we podcast from East Nashville, Tennessee. I'm John Barrett. And I'm Lyd Shaw. We're two Bitcoin enthusiasts who love to talk about Bitcoin And share what we learn with you, the listener. Thank you so much for your time, and thanks for listening to Bitcoins and Gravy. On today's show, we talk with one of our favorite people in the Bitcoin space, James D'Angelo. James D'Angelo is the charismatic host of the World Bitcoin Network, an educational channel on YouTube dedicated entirely to cryptocurrencies. The World Bitcoin Network provides all of us with technical, educational, and philosophical content in exploring the full range of the Bitcoin revolution. We also speak with Jonathan Chester, the founder, chief strategic officer, and compliance officer of bitwage.co based out of palo alto california bitwage is the first formal bitcoin payroll service bitwage allows employees to both receive a wage and pay for goods and services in bitcoin through bitwage bitcoin users no longer need to have a bank account in order to enter the bitcoin space or get paid for their hard work Bitwage is modernizing the payroll experience by leveraging next-generation payment protocols such as Bitcoin to reduce payroll costs, increase transfer speeds, and have access to payroll tools that cannot be accessed through traditional means. Today, Lidge and I have in the studio someone we have wanted to have on the show for a very long time, and that is James D'Angelo with the World Bitcoin Network. Welcome to the show, James. Yeah, it's an honor. I loved the last show. You had the guy in Singapore, oh, yeah. and he was talking about this amazing community he was developing, and I was thinking how a year ago that would have been on the top of Reddit for a week. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes, yeah, indeed. You, well, you spent a lot of time overseas, too. I remember hearing you speak about that on one of your video interviews. Yeah, I live a lot in Italy, have some contact with the Bitcoiners over there, and my wife is Ugandan. I met her in Uganda, and so there's been a lot of excitement about the goings-ons in East Africa. Wow, that's neat. And we're talking to you today. You're in Boston, right? Yeah, back in the home country. Okay, wow. And you spend a lot of time in Italy. Man, I envy you. Sounds, <laughs> sounds great, doesn't it, Lidge? Yeah, I want to go buy my espresso with Bitcoin over there. I'm telling you, man. Wow. Yeah, I used to go there to put on weight. And now I try and avoid it. <laughs> <laughs> James, you know, we love your show because you're not interviewing people like we are and wasting everybody's time. But you're, <laughs> but you're right. You're right there educating people right there in front of the camera. And it's, you know, you're just a joy to watch, honestly. And I've learned so much from your show. Well, that's great to hear. I mean, I'm I'm lucky that the Boston community is pretty good. I, I went to the last MIT hackathon. They're there every wow. week running this hackathon with free food. And they bring in, <laughs> you know, we've had guys from blockchain.info. We've had guys from Circle. And last night was Leetcoin, which are these gamers developing stuff. So you get a really great level of you know, sort of broad interaction. Um, and that's what keeps me up to date, really. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, right? Ultimately, the true value of Bitcoin is whether or not you can get food with it, isn't it? Isn't that the very essence of it? Man, you can't beat that. You don't, even have, to, yeah, you don't even have to spend your Bitcoin, right? You just go and get the free food. You know, when I was looking at colleges, I actually went and spent a night at an MIT fraternity and hung out with a couple of the students there. And I think they were freshmen. They were getting ready for class. They had to go to this classroom and they came back with a brown paper bag, like a grocery bag, just full of electronics and parts. And it looked like Lego supplies of electronics. And, you know, it was wow. brilliant people there. I mean, they had to take this stuff and figure out how to build, you know, a rocket ship to take them to the moon. To our listeners out there, unfortunately, we were dealing with some Skype issues um, or some kind of sound craziness going on in the, uh, the ether sphere there. Oh, I shouldn't say ether. That's on. <laughs> <laughs> you'll get you'll get knocked down on the by the Bitcoin moderator. Yeah. So anyway, James has been kind enough to switch over to his cell phone, and his voice is going to change for the rest of the interview. So James, lots of things going on in the Bitcoin world right now. Is there anything that you have? that's pressing on your mind or anything that you'd like to talk to us about. You know pretty much everything that's going on. Lead us on to victory here, man. 
Well, you know, one thing that I realized, which is kind of related to our previous comment about the guy in Singapore, which is, you know, I would say in November, you almost felt like you could understand everything going on in the Bitcoin sphere. So you kind of just read up and catch up and talk about any particular activity. That's no longer possible at all. It's not even possible in the MIT hackathon. So there's mm. 45 people there all working on different projects just to understand the scope of each of their projects in our little room is no longer within the capabilities of any individual. So you mm. end up saying, I don't know a lot. Mm. Clearly, you know, John, you and I have spoken recently about the Lossky stuff, but the other kind of exciting thing is just a couple nights ago, it was announced that I was a finalist at a competition, at a different type of competition at MIT for solving global climate change with a proposal that I put in that is entirely based off of public ledgers and Bitcoin. Oh, wow. And wow. so that's been really exciting, and I've been getting a lot of attention just for that. Was your proposal particularly technical, or was it a little bit more conceptual? I mean, what is your comfort with technology and coding and computers and, and that sort of thing? Well, I'm a double E, so I actually did some time at MIT myself. I did some master's work there. Hmm. was working on this NASA project, but that's, you know, it's a good 25 years ago, and I kind of jumped out and have been a lot into the, you know, the world of uh, conservationalism and coming back to it now with sort of this new technological hook, which is the Bitcoin public ledger, makes it really fun because you now have a new tool in your wheelhouse to sort of, you know, pop onto any problem. And yeah. I don't know if it's true that a guy with a hammer sees all problems as nails. Um, so maybe I'm just applying this uh, <laughs> willy-nilly, but uh, it seems to show some promise and I'm getting some great feedback with that. Well, that's very cool. Would you like to share some of this proposal with us on the show? There's a really fun aspect of it, which is, for good reason, most people walking in the U.S. don't know much about cap and trade, which is the idea that you cap, you limit the amount of carbon that can be spewed out in the atmosphere, and then you trade it. And this is an idea proposed by the Republicans, strangely. It's the best tool that anyone's really conceived of. So if you go to any big climate negotiation, cap and trade's the centerpiece technology or, or idea for stopping climate change. The trouble is the cap has always been set by the government, boo hiss, and the trade has always been done between corporations, boo mm -hmm. hiss. Using Bitcoin public ledgers, and I, I think that's a big reason why you find a lot of Republican and right-wing pushback against climate change. It has more to do with politics, probably, than the fact that the weather's changing, which most of us kind of feel in our bones at this day and age. And so you get a lot of spin based on that, and maybe they're right. You know, for me, I really don't care if the science is right, or I don't want to argue that, but I think there's a really interesting thing that can be done if we change sort of the centralized points there. So what if we took the trading and gave it to every person on Earth, very similar to Bitcoin, and launch it in some way similar to how Stellar, I don't know if you followed Stellar at all, this new cryptocurrency. No. Okay. Uh, from the guy of Ripple, please sign on right oh, yeah. now and get your free seller. Oh yeah, I got my uh, free 5,000. That's all you need. But what was beautiful is they had to deal with the idea of having everyone get an individual amount, right? You, John, didn't end up with 70,000 because you gained the system. You were pretty much limited to 5,000. And people at the MIT hackathon are like, I'll buy your stellar off of you today, <laughs> you know? Oh wow, yeah. Um, so they used Facebook's login to basically say, we're open to everybody. And so only in the last couple of years could you really conceivably give equal shares to everybody on Earth. And that's kind of what I was proposing to do, which is to give equal carbon emission shares to everybody on Earth, and then have a trade among themselves. So we've eliminated government, and we've eliminated corporation, and the regulation itself would be similar to eBay which is, hey, this company doesn't look like they're doing a great job at buying their shares. Let's bombard them a little bit with Internet traffic and see if they respond by buying these ostensibly really cheap shares at the beginning. Hmm. That's the summary of the idea, and really there's not much more than that. Clearly on day one, you know, you haven't stopped global climate change, but if something like this takes off according to Metcalfe's law where each additional user provides more security and makes the system stronger then you could have something pretty exciting. But you have credits, sort of. You have, like, carbon credits, right? Right. And if you're a massive polluter, the government would hand you a lot of credits. And then the system would start from there, which I think is a little back-ass work. You have to spend money and buy credits from somewhere else if you want to be doing more polluting, right? 
Right. In the current schemes, and they are running, so Europe has one, there's one in California. In the current schemes, if you want to pollute more, you have to buy from other corporations or you have to harass the government. Both work, sadly. Yeah, sadly. Um, That's craziness. So in our system, and it's kind of fun because this year all of humanity put out about eight gigatons. Giga is just another word for billion. Hmm. So there's about eight billion people on Earth and there's eight billion tons. So each person would be given the access to one ton and then they can do what they want with it. Hmm. And... It was some fun stuff, so I've played around a lot with people about that. Some cool economists are chiming in, and you know we're trying to scheme it and dial it just right. That's so it's just been fun. That's fascinating, James. I think that people are used to looking at those carbon credits as something that seems suspect or outside of their control, and, and people just sort of feel like, yeah, that's sort of like a yeah. kind of a bullshit yeah. way. Voter incentive yeah. to be involved is zero because yeah. everything happens on a trapeze over the public's head. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's as if climatologists forgot Magna Carta, right? Right. The most powerful force in human history are incentivized masses, not incentivized corporations, strangely. And so Congress has a real hard time with this because they do need voter turnout to push some of these things around. But if no one even wants to hear about it, right? You want to hear about it if someone's like, sign on and you'll get $4, right? Well, that's kind of curious, right? But you don't want to if you can't do anything in the system at all. The beauty of Bitcoin is that it's completely open. So guys like you and me are getting involved instead of, once again, Peter Thiel and all the SEC vetted investors who get to play around with all the cool ideas. And the reason we're all at Bitcoin Hackathon and the goofy, loser, crazy characters we are is that it's been open to everyone. And we're seeing people go from, you know, loser to absolute winner or from nobody to a real popular person and respected person, right? Andreas Antonopoulos, if Bitcoin is controlled by the SEC, is still someone no one knows. That's right. Right. So it's really important that you incentivize little people. And, you know, the government kind of forgets that. It's really easy to just come down and say, this is how it will be. That's the easiest system. It's very hard to incentivize people. Yeah. Well, I still think what you described as your proposal is a pretty incredible concept. So, you know, we are also used to the idea of uh, this concept that the environment and, you know, when we don't treat the world right, we're trading away our next generation, our grandchildren's future. And you're making that literal. You're saying if you have, you know, a billion or uh, whatever. Each person really would get one ton to trade in this. Right, right. So if you have a ton of carbon credits and you want to trade them away, you are literally choosing whether or not to trade away your grandchildren's future yeah. and how you choose to right, do that. Right. It gives you a vote. And if you don't like to vote, it gives you an income, right? Both are really good incentives for protecting the environment, right? The tragedy of the commons is when there is no ownership. So you have the public lake, right? That's right. Where everyone goes and pollutes and fishes out of. And the private lake, which is really pristine. And the ownership difference changes everything. Yeah, I'm amazed at how short-sighted politicians are. Sometimes I think maybe they don't actually have any grandchildren, you know, because <laughs> – and, and the same same thing for corporate America, you know, corporations generally. And I don't mean all of them, of course, but it just sometimes seems like they just don't really think about the future as if they just really don't have any concern yeah. for the future and for their children and grandchildren. It's crazy. Well, they've, are, they've already got the private I'm, lake. Yeah, they've already got I, the private yeah, lane. I yeah. agree. They really have to work better on incentivizing people instead of trying to tell them what to do. And I think that's an essence of a Bitcoin type thing. You're incentivized to work and you're trying to, you know, Satoshi worked very hard on incentives, right? That was his master stroke, right? To incentivize miners, Absolutely. incentivize individuals. And he never said, you know, this system's bad, don't do this. He said, how can I incentivize people to leave it? I think these days we're in such a mindset that people are really just trying to get what they can while they can as quickly as they can. (laughs) Whether they're politicians or just your average citizen, you know, that has to go out and shop, they feel compelled to go out and shop. Whenever they feel bored, they feel compelled to turn something on or to contact somebody or to go out and shop or to do something to feed the self, as opposed to just maybe just kicking back and reading a book or just relaxing and sitting out on the phone. Porsche, you know, so I do know what you mean. Yeah, it's true. And when I saw you guys live was in Texas, right? And it was such a great conference, but that show in particular was one of the highlights. And I really, really had a great time in Texas and I had a great time with Texans. 
Um, I mean, I love Boston. I love the energy here. But there was, I, I was surprised at how open-minded and fun everybody was to talk to. So. In Texas, yeah. We had a yeah. great time, man. Yeah, I thought so, too. We had a blast going to Texas. Yeah. So, hey, let's talk a little bit about, you mentioned at the beginning of the show how November of last year, you could kind of follow what was going on in the Bitcoin world. And we felt the same thing with the show, you know, it was kind of compartmentalized and we could make sense of it. And now it's just, <laughs> it's just insanity, right, Lidge? Yeah, I mean, it's just blowing up. It's blowing up. We don't know where to go. I mean, can you, maybe you could even advise us like, hey, John and Lidge for your show, maybe head in this direction. Or Oh, yeah, I, I agree. It's really hard to cover everything. And, you know, I'm lucky in the sense that I can just put out a basic concept on something. I can backtrack two years and gather information and do my my 101 on it, right? My next video might be called, you know, why use Bitcoin? So I get to have this really fun, basic play going. But mm. for, for the media outlets, yeah, it's exploding. And what you see in, is that it's because Bitcoin is so apolitical and it's so amoral, it's going to splash into every sphere. You know, you've got sociologists who could probably start writing technical journals just on Bitcoin-related projects. Um, so, you know, as you guys are looking as a media outlet, do you become the Time magazine or do you become the Wired magazine or do you become the legal journal? I guess that would probably be more where your heart is going. But clearly, if someone was just doing a weekly thing on regulation, they would have more than enough. Oh, um, good point. If, Man, if they were just trying depressing. to cover tree chains, side chains, and all the development, again, I mean, there's a need in that space, right? It's wonderful to know about all the different things going on in Bitcoin and what we might cover. Of course, John and I only want to cover the right thing and the next <laughs> best thing, right? No, just kidding. But um, so, you know, and you also mentioned a question about why Bitcoin. And I was recently with family uh, over the, you know, family gathering over the summer. And my cousin poignantly asked me, he said, you know, so Lidge, tell me what is the most important thing about Bitcoin in the world? Why? You know, just the simplest yeah. question. And I was a little bit stumped. You know, it gets complicated so fast. What are your thoughts about why Bitcoin? It's a great question. And I've had it tossed at me in a number of different places. We were at this Harvard panel and it was tossed at us. And I think a lot of the Bitcoin community wants to say a number of reasons that have to do with the individual. And it turns out very few of them actually are individual related. When I go to a store, credit card's awesome. It's just awesome, right? right? You know, it just works so well. If I'm buying online, credit card's pretty good, you know? Clearly there's some privacy issues. So if you're a privacy hound, then that starts to become more of an issue. I'm not, I, I'm not too concerned. I'm not this ultra anonym, anonymous guy. That's not the real attraction for me. So for a number of people, that is why I use Bitcoin. But I'd say for the compelling real um for the masses, it's going to be how Bitcoin's presented to us. And so for most people, it's got zero real advantage so far. But we're starting to see those real changes. The first time I saw the real change was actually in Texas. I leave my hostel. I stayed in a 12-bedroom hostel one night. And across the street, there's only one place open to eat. And it's a pizza truck. And they are accepting Bitcoin blew me away. First wow. time I randomly encountered a Bitcoin accepting place, yeah. they were offering a 10% discount to Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So when I mentioned this at the Harvard panel, one of the, a, a famous guy in Bitcoin jumped on me and said, well, you know, 10% makes no sense. They're being foolish. It really should just be 3% or whatever credit card rate they might be paying. I was like, no, that's actually not true at all. 10% makes a lot of sense because credit cards charge more for small purchases. So if you're buying a soda, a soft drink or something, which is probably one of the big sales at the pizza place, you're paying much more around 10 to 20%. You also deal with your employees maybe taking some money or doing something funny with the money. So 10% turns out to be right around where you're struggling with credit cards and or employee theft. Hmm. And so we often hear 3%. But you're going to see a lot of companies offering much more than 3%. Indeed, we're seeing that. So Overstock.com, I forget what they've offered recently. I've seen 10% from yeah. big firms. 10%, I think. Right. So, you know, 1%, it's not really that compelling to a consumer, right? But 10% on almost anything is compelling. Absolutely. And, yes, it is. And, and that's huge. You know, when I bought from the pizza truck, it was compelling 10%. Right. So instead of paying 12, which the pizza was, I'm paying ten dollars and 80 cents. Mm. That's a real difference. That's a screaming at a consumer. Right. But it's going to be brought by the corporations. And right now it's just really not brought that hard. 
but it's coming. It's really coming, right? Yeah, You've yeah. got companies. I've got a restaurant down the street, which has the ATM right in front of their booth. So inside the store, the big old nasty, ugly ATM taking up retail space or possibly where they could have a table all because of credit card fees, mm. right? Yep. They don't accept anything but cash. So you've got to turn around and you eat the costs. You've got to pay the $3 to pull it out of the ATM or whatever. Yeah. Sure. You go on the bigger scale, and what's really amazing is you see a recent article by CNN or something about how Americans are spending $200 billion a year on cash, just having the ability to use cash. So between ATM fees and other costs, banking costs associated with cash, that's the cost on Americans. You can raise it another level because the U.S. government spends a lot to maintain cash. So they chase counterfeit down into Peru. So they spend billions of dollars a year just controlling counterfeits. Then you can raise it another level, which is the $100 bill is the king when it comes to money laundering. Yeah. And you've got Harvard economists now saying there's no reason to have paper money anymore. It's expensive, but it's also stimulating laundering. Oh, yeah. And they're suggesting that we need to go to a digital currency. And this is to lower costs, simply to lower costs right. um, and control inflation. I love that you're suggesting that Bitcoin is the solution to money laundering. Right here, it's <laughs> it, a first on Bitcoins and, and gravy. <laughs> exactly. And therein lies the biggest irony, right? So you've got Lossky sitting there in Albany, right? And in his state, he controls the biggest branch of the Federal Reserve. The $100 bill being the main component, really, what is Lossky worried about? Well, I'd say Lossky's worried about money going to Iran. All of his big plays have had to do with Iran. So he's got a personal grudge there, it strikes me. $100 bills are going to Iran. <laughs> Many more $100 bills are going to Iran than the entire Bitcoin ecosystem. So there is some irony there. Clearly, if he makes a play against the U.S. dollar, he's going to be kicked out of a job because the one thing states cannot do is interfere with currency. No, that's right. And you know, the funny thing is, I think that they're really more than anything wanting to keep the U.S. dollar for as long as possible. I mean, look at what happened with Wachovia, right? And the money laundering there, the billions, if not trillions, yeah, that yeah. were going to the Mexican drug cartels. Now, how did that happen? And how did that sneak past regulators? Well, the answer is the regulators weren't regulating. Who was, who was paying the regulators to not regulate? And who was putting <laughs> money in their pockets, right? They want this U.S. dollar to keep going, man, because a lot of people are making a lot of money off of it, right? Yeah. And the funny thing, is so if you separated Losky from Bitcoin, he'd probably be a Bitcoin hero because he's the only guy who's going after the too big to fails. And he's gotten convictions, he's gotten firings, and he's gotten enormous fines. Trouble is he's now stepped into an arena that he just doesn't understand and it's completely out of his toolbox. And you can see from his regulations that he's Bitcoin illiterate. <laughs> but he doesn't know the difference between a hot and cold wallet. He doesn't really understand decentralization. He doesn't understand uh -huh. mining. And it's just there. You know when someone's illiterate in the subject when they write about it. You know? Let's just put it out there. Lossky's an ignoramus. No, no, let's put it out there. Lossky, you need to listen to more Bitcoins and gravy and everything yeah. else on the Let's Talk Bitcoin Correct. network. Exactly. Correct. What's the guy doing watching CNN every night and reruns of, what, Gomer Pyle? Come on, Lossky. Get it, pull, it together, pull it together, dude. Well, the, the thing about him is he's magna cum, Columbia, super bright, scorchingly bright. He's just busy doing other stuff. So he's given Bitcoin the attention he considered it deserves, which is a small political player in a very small market that he sees. And so he's done a political move on Bitcoin, which is sort of pretend to care and right. give it about 20 minutes. Right. And, you know, that's just what you do when you've got political aspirations and you have a busy job. So this year, while he's been supposedly considering Bitcoin and taking Bitcoin seriously, he's been nailing some huge convictions and some huge fines and banks. You tell me when his branch of government receives those fines, the $2 billion that he just fined comes into his branch, you telling me what he's going to focus on, Bitcoin or stopping enormous billion-dollar fraud schemes. Yeah. So Lossky may or may not be a bad guy, but he's really not giving it attention. You know, it's really tough when you don't get the attention you deserve. And I think that's what Bitcoin is faced with right now. And we're going to have to come back with some responses that demand attention. And I think we will. And I think mm -hmm. we'll find that a lot of what Lossky's done is actually extra constitutional or not even legal in New York.
Some people think he's trying to look like he's going to come down really hard on Bitcoin at the last minute. He'll pull back, just have some basic regulations, and then it'll make him look like the hero, and then he'll run for president. (laughs) I think he came down very hard to give him some time to learn, right? If he came down soft on Hmm. anything that he didn't understand, he was going to look really bad if he didn't regulate it correctly. Right, buying time. He regulated everything because he didn't understand anything. And yes, I think you're right, John. What's going to happen is he's going to pull back and he's going to look a little bit kinder. But here's a guy who doesn't understand the difference between hot and cold wallets. Now, keep in mind, he probably at least thinks that he can't legally own Bitcoin. He won't accept your tips. He probably doesn't own any Bitcoin. Try and understand Bitcoin without using it at all. Uh, It's like saying, you know, you can learn to ski on a rug. You know, you're just not going to understand anything. I think I might have tried that. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, you can play and you can really think you're going down the mountain and you can really gain some confidence. But as soon as you go down the baby slope, you're in trouble. Yeah, Or on those KTEL skis. Remember the little short plastic skis you had to tie onto your shoe? That's hilarious. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, you are from Concord. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, so, I mean, James, that's a good point. I mean, here we are seven months into a podcast about Bitcoin, and we still, you know, we spend every day trying to struggle to understand <laughs> how this thing works and, and what's going on with exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And, and that's true for me. That's true for Andreas. That's true for everyone involved. You know, Craigslist wasn't born on the first day. Neither was Google. Yeah. So yeah. the world was coming up with the best Internet ideas years after TCPIP came about. We're still struggling and trying to understand the ramifications of this thing that we're submerged in every day. Imagine Lossky, who really doesn't have the time. Yeah, it's a good point. James, do you have any closing words of wisdom to share with us to wrap up the show today? Yes, please. Closing words of wisdom. I think the Bitcoin community response to Lossky has been moderate. I think we need to be much stronger. I think the community needs to come together and and do a much stronger show of force, something that's newsworthy and something that will call his attention. There's a number of ways to do it, none of which I've really seen anywhere in in sort of the Bitcoin community, and I'm going to probably try and stuff it into a video, but civil disobedience (laughs) works really well with Bitcoin where it doesn't if you're trying to occupy Wall Street. Occupy Wall Street, they couldn't do anything but stand there. Right. Bitcoin, we can run our transactions right in New York. We can sell Bitcoin in New York. If I sell two cents, are they going to arrest me? Right. They should, but they won't. They won't. That's right. That'd be a good statement. It seems the regulations have to change. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, well said. Well, James, hey, thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, awesome, guys. I wish I could hear more. You guys are always so funny on the show. Great to finally meet you guys. Um, Hopefully, we'll meet up again in person real soon. Absolutely. Hey, can you tell our listeners how they can find you? World Bitcoin Network. If anybody out there has not listened to James in the World Bitcoin Network, check it out. His show is amazing. It is really, really, really good. Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure speaking with you, and we look forward to talking with you again in the future. Thank you, James. Great, guys. Thanks, man. Cheers. Bye. I'm John Barrett. And I'm Lid Shaw. We're two guys from East Nashville, Tennessee, who love talking about Bitcoin. Join us for Bitcoins and Gravy right here as we talk with business owners around the country and around the world who are using Bitcoins right now to grow their businesses. We interview Bitcoin experts about cutting-edge developments, the future of Bitcoin the currency, and Bitcoin the shared network. We also talk with everyday folks who use Bitcoins instead of money for everyday purchases. And if you're still not sure about Bitcoins, we can help. Bitcoins and gravy will get you up to speed with this new fast-paced technology bitcoin we invite you the listener to call us on the bitcoins and gravy hotline at 615-208-5198 with your questions or comments about bitcoin and remember to tune in right here for bitcoins and gravy now that's gravy Hey you, how'd you like a VIP pass to the super secret Bitcoins and Gravy after show? Yeah? Well, follow me. We're taking you live now to the historic Woodland Street Theater in beautiful East Nashville, Tennessee, where Reverend Johnny's big band Down Home Country Jam is set to debut their new single, Ode to Satoshi. Hit it, Johnny. Thank you very kindly, friends. 
I'd like to dedicate this song to the great American freedom fighter and songwriter, Mr. Pete Seeger. May you rest in peace. I would also like to dedicate this song to Andreas Antonopoulos for his words of wisdom and hope for us all. Now climb aboard, y'all. This train is bound for glory. And there's plenty of room for all. Well, Satoshi Nakamoto, that's a name I love to say. And we don't know much about him, but he came to save the day. When he wrote about the way things are and the way things are to be, he gave us all a protocol this world had never seen. Oh, Bitcoin, as you're going into the old blockchain. Oh, Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, going to rain. Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name. told about the death of old Mount Gox, about traders trading altar coins and miners mining blocks. But them good old boys back in Illinois and on down through Tennessee, see they don't care to be a millionaire, they're just wanting to be free. Oh Bitcoin, as you're going into the old blockchain, oh Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, going to rain, till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name. A promise to deliver us from age-old tyranny Oh, Bitcoin, as you're going into the old blockchain Oh, Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, going to rain Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your Give me some exposure Everybody knows your name, sing it Oh, Lord, pass me some more Oh, Lord, before I have to go Oh, Lord, pass me some more Oh, Lord, before I have to go I know that it may sound absurd, but I have for you a magic word. And today the magic word is music. That's right, music. On today's show, we are very excited to invite Jonathan Chester with BitWage onto Bitcoins and Gravy. Welcome, Jonathan, and thanks for joining us. Jonathan, welcome to the show. Liz, John, thank you for having me. I'm, it's a real pleasure to be here. And where are you in Palo Alto, right? Yeah, yeah. We are, we're based out of Palo Alto here at BitWage. Now, is that East Palo Alto or West Palo Alto? <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, we're, we're actually in the Ikea parking lot in East Palo Alto. <laughs> oh, sweet, man. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, be careful, sweet, man. Sweet meatballs for days. You guys must have great <laughs> furniture. Oh, totally. I mean, we get the whole place to ourselves. Nice. No, well, no, no. We're, we're, we're out of uh, West Palo Alto right now. West Palo Alto. That's on the other side of, what is it, El Camino Real there? Yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, right by uh, Stanford. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. So does that mean you are not next to Ikea in the parking lot or, or are you really there? <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not, we're not actually by, by Ikea. Dang it. I love their meatballs. <laughs> well, we can, what you know, the? we can always take you out, you know, company card, free meatballs for days. <laughs> wow, man. That's just bizarre. <laughs> I love it. So Jonathan, you know, we discovered BitWage and I read about it first on the Zero Block app. It was a link to a Reddit article about it and uh, it was immediately fascinating to me. Can you give us an introduction to BitWage and, and tell us what's going on with you guys? Yeah, I read about it on Reddit. It, but uh, let, let's hear yeah. it, man. Yeah. So uh, right now, the whole idea of Bitwage is 
to be modernizing the whole payroll experience, uh, leveraging you know Bitcoin as the payment protocol to make everything in payroll you know faster, easier, lower cost. And so right now we have three different products that are going to be coming out. Just to give a little tidbit, there's the whole Bitcoin payroll suite. When employers can you know, use their Bitcoins other than just holding them as investment or turning them into fiat currency, mm-hmm. and they can actually send money back to the employees with Bitcoins, meaning that they pay in Bitcoins or in dollars, and the employees can choose any mixture on that side. Mm-hmm. And that in itself is a really important part of the Bitcoin ecosystem because right now there's really no way to obtain Bitcoins in a scalable and reliable way without linking up your bank account to a Bitcoin liquidity provider. And so we sort of see this as a way for people to get around the banks for obtaining Bitcoins. Right, because right now the banks are a big problem for a lot of people worldwide, right? Exactly. And the banks, you know, they have all these inefficiencies, you know, they, if you were to transmit money across borders, you got like four to six days there and $45 and, you know, all these costs that really don't need to exist. And Bitcoin is supposed to solve these problems. But the unbanked right now, uh, the only way they can get Bitcoins is by actually holding a ton of cash in their beds and then finding someone who's willing to take all that cash and trade it for Bitcoins down the street. And so this is going to solve that issue. The other two products that we're coming out with, one is our international payroll. The whole idea is to provide a transparent option to employers, first in the United States and then around the world. And the whole idea is if you're paying an international employee, right now it's, it's not as easy as, you know, find a payroll provider, click a button, and boom, all of a sudden, all your international employees are paid. You got to go through this banking system if the employee has a bank, right? And then, you know, money goes from your account to another bank, a third bank, fourth bank, whatever. You mm-hmm. lose $45 to 3% in exchange, four to six days. Not so much efficiency going on there. So the idea is to use Bitcoin as the payment protocol to move the money internationally, but then have exchanges on both ends so that the employer can use dollars and the the employee on the other side can get their own fiat currency if they want. Obviously, it'll be cheaper if they keep it all in Bitcoin. Mm-hmm. The final product is our uh, real-time payroll product. And so the idea of that is, you know, why do you have to get paid twice a week? And, and the answer is, well, if you paid someone by the minute, you know, you're paying them like 20 cents by the minute, and you're using ACH systems, so now it's like 30 cents to do the transfer in two to four days. It doesn't make sense, you know? You want to use economies of scale. But with Bitcoin, you don't have these inefficiencies. And so you are now actually able to pay people on the day, on the hour, on the minute, on the second. The idea is you can, with real-time payroll, be able to offer these things. And it's actually going to be a whole new good, not just for the unbanked, but for these people who do not have very large incomes. They are often living paycheck to paycheck. They didn't manage their money very well in their last paycheck. And so when their utility bill is due in two days, but their paycheck is in a week or you know, in Europe could be even three weeks away, they have to go to the payday loan industry. When you go to the payday loan industry, you're hit with these interest rates of like 25 and 30 percent, you know. And if you miss your your payment, the fees and the increased rates can bring you up to like 150 percent, right? That's that's a wild number, 150 percent. And so these people end up spiraling down in a cycle of debt for a large part of their lives. And so this payday loan industry really takes a lot of money from the people who need it most. And, and we sort of see this as a solution to that. It also takes a lot of real estate from our very own neighborhood here in East Nashville. We have payday loan industry all up and down Gallatin Road and, and all over the place, you know, check cashing stores. You see new ones popping up all the time, and now they're even looking nicer. You know, they've got fresh paint on them and a nice, you know, really expensive sign and everything. I wonder I did, why. I wonder why. Yet I did a little research, and a lot of these are owned by big banks. I was shocked. Wells Fargo mm. owns some of these. And I thought, well, I always thought this was just like, you know, kind of a shadow banking sort of thing. Well, wait, what am I talking about? Uh, all the big banks. <laughs> are doing shadow banking. So <laughs> throw in some shade, John. Throw in some shade. That's right. So yeah, big banks are doing this. Instead of offering people the same opportunities that you and I have, they're mm-hmm. offering people, you know, really a bad product that's again, like you said, putting people in debt and basically what is the old Tennessee Ernie Ford song, Sixteen Tons, I owe my soul to the company right. store. Yeah, it's like the essence mm-hmm. of usury, right? Yeah, the essence of usury. Bad stuff, man. 
Right, right. These guys are becoming like the Walmarts of, I guess, payday loans, right? Just making people have to live off of this day by day by day by day. It's not it's not very fun for them. Yeah. So that that to me sounds like one of the most interesting things about bit wages is that you offer an opportunity to circumvent that so that people who do have trouble with the banks or are unbanked, people who would typically take a paycheck and immediately go to a check cashing store and give away 30% of their paycheck to go get a cash or whatever the figures are, they might not need to do that anymore if they could receive their payments directly in Bitcoin. Yeah. Can you walk us through, you know, like pick a country and an imaginary character and just kind of walk us through a day of what they would have to go through that would help them avoid these fees? It could be somebody here in the States or somebody in another country. Can you kind of walk us through how BitWage is going to help somebody? Right. Okay. So if you're taking this real-time payroll perspective, right? So right now you are, are strapped for cash and you have your utility bill again in three days. So you decide to work extra hard today and tomorrow so that you actually get paid those nights and you have the money to pay for your food, pay for your utility bill and whatnot. And a year down the road, what's happening is you get a lot of these services like the Bitcoin debit cards or like locks where you're able to lock in the price of your Bitcoin. And all of a sudden you don't have volatility on your Bitcoins that you've been accumulating in real time. And you have this card that allows you to spend the Bitcoins, you know, anywhere that will accept debit cards. You still, you know, have no need for a bank account in this uh, situation, and you're 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 still able to just spend the money that you've been working for all day. You know, instead of losing one percent to banks and transferring your money, instead of having these high usury fees, you basically get to keep all the money that you work for and be able to enjoy, you know, a nice cup of coffee or actually being able to take your your wife out on a date instead of having to worry about when the next paycheck's coming in. Yeah, and this is money that may increase in value as you hold it. Right, exactly. Yeah, I mean, point. the whole idea over time, right? I mean, why would you need to put your money in a bank account when it's much easier to use Bitcoin, much faster? much cheaper. And again, your money is going up over time. At this point, it's going to sort of cause banks to have to innovate on what they previously had a monopoly over, which is these riskless, liquid and scalable accounts, which are checking and savings accounts. They will be forced to now innovate because for the longest time, they they really have not given you any reason to put money into these accounts, except for there's no other alternative. I guess you could say gold is an alternative or, you know, a stock is an alternative or cash, but these things, they're not really that that scalable or liquid. So it's really going to force the banks to have to do something and, and actually give back to the consumers for these accounts. Yes, indeed. I was thinking about that recently that, you know, the traditional fiat system is to earn income, put it in a bank, but it's not really doing anything for you to just hold it or save it. You need mm-hmm. to get it out of that and get it into other investments like mutual funds, bonds, stocks, all that, and hope that those grow on a certain scalable way. And now perhaps the future, you know, with something like Bitcoin or a cryptocurrency that is deflationary is that you could just simply hold the funds. Just use right. them and hold them and they will grow at that same rate. I, I don't know what the rate's going to be, but I know that you know when Bitcoin's done well, it's certainly done a lot better than some of the traditional stocks and bonds. But when it's done poorly, it's done much worse too. Right. You know, and, and I like the idea of uh, looking at banks as they really are. Andreas Antonopoulos talks about how, you know, what innovations have banks brought us over the past 50 years? They've given us ATMs and debit cards. And that's basically it. There's no, there's been no innovation in all of this time. And now- Online now, banking, online banking. Okay. Online mm-hmm. banking. I'll give them that. Okay. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. so there's three. So a question for you. Clearly, there is a lot of regulation as far as what it is to be a company and have employees and pay them. BitWage is solving some of the issues as far as getting funds to the employee, but how does it pair up with the regulations that really can't be changed as far as having employees? Or that are slow to change. Right. So the idea for the the regulations is, you know, uh, you got to do the payroll tax calculations with holdings uh, for all your employees. You got to provide these uh, benefits for your employees. And, you know, you're not allowed to, you know, overwork your employees. You have to pay employees for doing a certain type of overtime. And there's a whole lot going on there. And the whole idea is that we are building our own system for doing all these calculations. We'll be partnering up with companies to help provide the HR and the benefits and, and that side of things. What, what happens is, is, as an employer, 
you go in and you get all sort of the traditional things that you get with a payroll company, except for you get a, a cool few extra additions, which are that you can pay with Bitcoin and the Bitcoins will be converted into US dollars for, you know, all the withholdings and all the benefits of social security, all that good stuff. And that'll all be taken care of. Right now, we've got a, an in-house counsel and we've got an advisor who was in the payroll industry as the CEO of a payroll company for about 16 years before they sold to ADP. And so we're, we're sort of all working together to develop the perfect solution that works for all this. Cool. That, it sounds like you guys are figuring out the difficult back end of what it is to manage your employees and pay your wages and pay your taxes properly and all that. Introducing it into the world of Bitcoin and bringing in the benefits of this new form of currency and easy way to get money and value to the employees directly. Another question for you guys, is this sort of a push or pull system as far as Bitcoin goes? I know Bitcoin is, you know, is considered to be a push system where you send money, you send the Bitcoin. How does BitWages work as far as whether it's a push system or a pull system for getting payroll out to the employees? Right. So traditionally, what a payroll company does is they will uh, set up an, a, an account with you where you authorize them to to do a pull from your bank account. And so on the day of payday or really, well, a couple days before that, um, because, you know, the traditional banking system is slow, but a couple days before payday, you know, they will initiate the pull and they'll do everything for you and then they'll send out the direct deposit to your employees. And uh, this is not going to be any different from the BitWage perspective. If you are paying in fiat currency, you decide to pay in Bitcoins. What happens is you go into the system and you know you can pull up our address or QR code and you can sort of pay like you would any sort of good or service. And it's not as complicated as going through the banking system because you don't have to put in all these numbers and then you don't have to call up a banker. It's just, you know, your cell phone, click, go. And if you have multi-sig in your company, then it's three people just click, go. And that's that's how it works at the moment. As far as I know, the ability to to go into someone's Bitcoin account and take their Bitcoins for your service is not available at the moment. And, and honestly, that'd be a little scary if it was. Oh, yeah, that really would. You know, it sounds to me like um, what you guys are offering is going to work for employees, even if they're not interested in accepting Bitcoin. Bitcoin can still act as the vehicle to help get them paid quickly, maybe uh, on a daily basis if they choose to have that uh, set up that way. So that, like exactly. you said, they can pay their bills. They don't have to go into debt. They don't have to owe the company's store. They don't have to pay these interest rates. So let me ask you a question. As far as early adopters. Who are the early adopters uh, going to be for BitWage? Well, um, I guess everyone uh, listening to the show, everyone in the Bitcoin space right now, our very, very first product to come out, our very first service is going to be the Bitcoin payroll suite. And this is going to be for companies that one, want to just stay in Bitcoin to want to be able to offer their employees Bitcoin, and three, are just looking to attract the crowd that Bitcoins attract into their workplace. And so, you know, this is going to be all the different companies from Coinbase to some smaller guys like 37 Coins or people who are just starting up. So the idea at the moment right now is if you're a very, very small company and you are paying your employees as contractors because that's what they are. Not that you're calling employees contractors, but because you're only contracting people at the moment, you would pay them through our service. Or if you are a very, very large company and you're trying to test out a small division or group of employees and you have your payroll system set up and you're not looking to completely change the entire system, you would onboard us and we would be a, a little attachment into your system to allow you to work with small divisions. So this is very interesting. I think there are a lot of small businesses, myself included, that work with people. We don't have employees, but we do work with people on a contract basis. And so, of course, if you want to, if it's if it's simple enough and it's a few people that you contract out, you could just send them some Bitcoin directly per project and that sort of thing. But then you still have to do your bookkeeping and keep track of things and be able to follow up with 1099s at the end of the year. So it sounds like BitWage might offer some of that back-end bookkeeping for you, even if you're dealing with contractors. Is that is that what you're saying? Yes. Well, sounds like you have people on board who are going to help you with that, right? Definitely. I mean, we're going to be working with different people in the Bitcoin space to offer all these things and and right now with the alpha right we are 
we're sort of optimized again for this 1099 environment. And, and the whole idea is, you know, right now as the payroll person, you have to go and collect all the wallet information and all the preferences and whatnot. What we do is we allow the employee to sort of go on and update whenever they like. The payroll administrator just goes in and does a little click and it all gets done. And a, a little nifty thing that we do is we make sure to hide your public address as an employee from the employer. And so this way, you know, if you're an employee and you don't want your employer to see what you're purchasing, you're protected from that. Well, I should think also as an employee, you're constantly negotiating wage and what your income is going to be. And you don't necessarily mm-hmm. want your employer to know what, what your holdings are either, you know? So, mm-hmm. and same exactly, thing for yeah. an employer, you know, you don't, as an employer, you don't want an employee to necessarily know what other employees are earning and that sort of thing. So keeping mm-hmm. that privacy built in, I think is important to mm-hmm. keep up the kind of, um, you know, trusted internal network and honoring people's privacy and their right to, you know, keep their finances internal. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we're, we're very interested in privacy for all of our customers. You know, we want to make sure that all their information is secure. All their information is kept private from these nosy people trying to stare at the blockchain and, and figure out who has what. Okay, great. So, you know, for somebody who might not be familiar with using payroll services already, what what's the experience that they should expect? Is this sort of an app that you're going to download onto your Mac or your PC, or is it something that's going to be operating on your phone? Or is it a website portal service? Is it a cloud service? Yeah, so this is a cloud service. So you go on the internet and you log in and it's just a, a nice web portal. Very sleek design, at least I like to think so. You go in, you sign up, put in your phone number for two-factor authentication, and you go in as an employee. If you want to sign up your company, you will enter in additional information and we'll sort of see, hey, this person wants to sign up their company. And if they want to turn from an employee to an employer, you go through a little bit of a verification process. And then as an employer, you come in and you have the ability to look at all your different employees and see all the previous payrolls that you've done and sort of initiate different payrolls. And and right now we have three different ways of doing payment. The first is wire transfer, but you you probably don't want to do that unless you're outside the U.S., which we are currently only working with employers in the U.S. at the moment, but we will be expanding soon. Just all depends on you know different regulatory regimes. The second way is the ACH system. You can pay through ACH. And third is Bitcoins, which happens to be the most popular way of doing it right now. Everyone seems to like the Bitcoin. Now, you are the founder of Bitwage, right? So there are two founders, right? There's John Lindsay. He's the CEO. And then there's me. And I am the CSO, which is Chief strategic officer. So where are you all right now uh, in terms of development? Are you past alpha? You're in beta? You're getting ready to go? Or- so we're, we're in alpha. Right now, we're sort of doing a an invitation process where you, you come in, you sign up, and you say you want to join the alpha, and we'll do a bit of verification, see if you are legitimate, and we'll let you into the alpha at that point. For our beta, which will be coming out by the end of the year, we're hoping, we're shooting for uh, two to three months, and that will offer all the payroll tax calculations and withholdings, so you can now do W-2s and on top of the 1099s, and that will, again, be out in uh, hopefully a few months. So, Jonathan, how did you get into this? How did you first decide to create BitWage with the other founder? Yeah, John Lindsay, I'd say a little over a year ago, came up with this idea. He saw that there was a missing link in the financial loop in Bitcoin, right? You mm-hmm. know, if you if you right now the Bitcoins they, they start with the employee, they go to the employer. The employer basically can only, you know, buy goods and services on a small scale, hold the money, hold the Bitcoins as investment, or convert it into fiat. And there's no way really for the Bitcoin to go from the employer back to the employee. And so he saw this as sort of a a missing part of the loop. John started trying to to come up with more interest in the project. And at the time, most of the people he was talking to were not very interested. I knew John, but I didn't really know he had this idea. Around September, I started to really get into Bitcoin. John came up to me with this idea and I said, yeah, this is perfect. This is exactly what Bitcoin needs, right? Uh, I sort of saw it as, you know, there's this 
this banking inefficiency that is in the Bitcoin ecosystem that we cut out by allowing the employer to pay the employee in Bitcoin, making Bitcoin totally autonomous. And I said, this is really cool. I want to be part of this. And so we started working on this October, November timeframe. And we were doing this and working at Oracle at the same time. So it was like Oracle by day, this by night, you know, many sleepless <laughs> nights, a lot of all-nighters. It sounds like a ton of work. And, you know, for two people to be doing all this work, you guys, I assume, must be hiring out, you know, working with some people, programmers, developers, or, or that sort, to help you do it. Uh, is that the case? And if you are, are you using your own BitWage system to pay these guys? Good question. It also sounds like, Lidge, you might be asking for a job. Or, or, <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I am not the I'm developer. Just... It's all I can do to get the computer to work for our interviews. Well, that's, that's, <laughs> that's a good point. Right, right. So right now... We have a team of six. We have a lead engineer over in Slovenia. Um, we've got legal counsel over here in California, an AML specialist over in the D.C. area uh, on the East Coast. And we've got a business development guy in Seattle. So we're sort of all scattered everywhere. John and I are located in Palo Alto. Um, we're looking for more people to join the team. So if you are interested in joining, you can always send us an email at recruiting at bootwage.co. Right now, we are looking to increase the development team, the business team, and uh, just uh, a little bit on the compliance. Very so, cool. So it sounds yep. like you guys have a global reach for your team, your development team. And, you know, it's also a perfect opportunity to test out your system and, and get feedback about how well it works. Is that something you guys have been able to do? Or is it a little too soon for that? I, I, are these guys employees that you work with? Or, or are you doing it on a contract basis? So right now, yeah, everyone's contracted at the moment. We are a bit self-funded. So we do payments through our system, but it hasn't been too much. And a lot of these guys are sort of working on this uh, bootstrapped model at the moment. So it's uh, been maybe a couple sort of test payments so far. I see. So are you, are you paying your employees in, in Bitcoin right now? Yeah, of course. Oh, good, good. Mm -hmm. All right. And do you, you know, do you need anybody else there to just like, you know, come in and entertain people or anything? If you need to send any cash payments, we'll help you out. <laughs> yeah, if you need to send any cash payments, um, you can send them through us and we'll make sure that they are dispersed uh, properly. <clears throat> no, it sounds cool. I mean, of course, obviously you can't be using a system that you're in the process of building yet, but it seems like it could be an opportunity soon for you guys when you get it built to be testing it out within your own system and get that kind of uh, feedback and, um, you know, affirmations of how well it works from the people you work with. Yeah, it sounds it's like it's cool. coming. Yeah, it's very cool. It sounds like it's coming soon um, with beta just around the corner. So, hey, this is great stuff, bitwage.co, right? And can you yep. tell our listeners the best way for them to find you? Right. You can either go online and check out www.bitwage.co, or you can check us out on Twitter, and our, our hashtag is Bitwage. Well, Jonathan, thank you so much for joining us today on Bitcoins and Gravy. It's a super cool thing you guys are doing. You described it as being you know, something that people didn't necessarily grasp at first, because I think you guys are thinking way ahead. You know, you're really thinking forward. So it's cool to see that you're doing that. And we can't wait to see it in action and see how it helps transform the Bitcoin ecosystem. Yeah, it's great to see another innovation that's actually going to help people, you know, especially in these times when people are really having a difficult time, not just in developing countries, but also here in the U.S. and in developed countries. Yeah. And, you know, I also sort of see this as a, a way to, to help adoption as well, because you, you now have a company and they're offering, you know, traditional payroll and you see that you have this little Bitcoin option on the side. I mean, eventually you're probably going to dabble once or twice and see what, what is this all about. Sure. And so a lot more people want to the space because of this. Nice. Great stuff, man. Yeah. And in this world of outsourcing and virtual assistance and that sort of thing, this may really open up the floodgates for people to be able to use that more easily. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Nice stuff, man. Great stuff. Okay. Cheers. Thanks for joining us, Jonathan. We'll talk to you yeah. soon. Thanks for having me on the show. All Thanks, right. man. Bye-bye. Bye. We'd like to thank our guests on today's show, James D'Angelo of the World Bitcoin Network and Jonathan Chester of Bitwage.co. To find out more about our guests and sponsors, visit our show notes at bitcoinsandgravy.com slash episode 29. Thank you so much for listening to our show. We greatly appreciate your time and attention. If you like the show, please remember to go to iTunes and leave us a review. Also, hit the subscribe button if you'd like to hear from Bitcoins and Gravy each week. 
And remember the Bitcoins and Gravy Hotline. Have you ever wanted to be a podcaster? Then call us at 615-208-5198 and leave us a message with your comments, questions, or complaints. This is your opportunity to tell us what you think. If you give us permission, we will put you on the show. So call the Bitcoins and Gravy Hotline at 615-208-5198. That's right. That's the Bitcoins and Gravy Hotline. And of course, we offer a number of ways for you to download all of our past podcasts. You can go to letstalkbitcoin.com or directly from iTunes, or you can go to our website, bitcoinsandgravy.com. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment and leave a review or comment on iTunes or SoundCloud. Let us know what you like or where we can improve. And remember, it's your reviews and comments that help new listeners discover Bitcoins and Gravy, plus all the other great shows on the Let's Talk Bitcoin podcast network. And we thank you for your generous tips and donations. I'm John Barrett. And I'm Lyd Shaw. And you've been listening to Bitcoins and Gravy from East Nashville, Tennessee.